0: Earlier this week, four police officers testified in the first hearings from the House Select Committee on January 6th, when a mob of supporters of President Donald Trump attempted to overtake the Capitol in hopes of overturning the 2020 election results.
1: The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room but too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad.
0: Eventually it was my turn in the meat grinder that was the front line. The terrorists had a wall of shields that they had stolen from officers as well as stolen batons, what other armaments they brought. Even during this intense contest of wills, they tried to convert us to their cult. One man shouted, we all just want to make our voices heard. And I think you feel the same. I really think you feel the same.
1: To me, it's insulting, it's demoralizing, because everything that we did was to prevent everyone in the capital from getting hurt. And what he was doing, instead of sending the military, instead of sending the support or telling his people, his supporter, to stop this nonsense, he egged them to continue
2: fighting. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that.
0: But this hearing was just the beginning of the committee's investigation. The work of this group, already embroiled in political controversy, won't conclude anytime soon. And the ongoing investigation may bleed into the 2022 midterm race and have implications for President Biden's promises to tackle white supremacist violence in this country. So what can this week's hearings tell us about what's to come for this investigation? And what might those findings reveal about where our country is headed? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of American government in a time of deep division. I'm Allison Michaels.
3: My name is Mariana Sotomayor, and I'm a congressional reporter for The Washington Post.
0: Mariana reported on the hearings from the Capitol Tuesday. I wanted to know from her vantage point on the Hill, what were the goals of the members of the January 6th Commission heading into these hearings?
3: the goal was to make sure that the attention wasn't on them at any point in time they really wanted to make sure that these police officers were able to tell their story in the way that they wanted to members tend to be in hearings where sometimes there's viral moments sometimes there's confrontations there's there's blow-ups between members they wanted to avoid that completely to really set the tone not just for that very solemn hearing, but also for the course of their investigation. They wanted to broadcast that they are taking this seriously and that the reason why they need to take this seriously is to honor people like these four police officers who really did everything they possibly could to protect members of Congress from the insurrectionists that were coming into the building. And that was the whole purpose as well, just to remind the public, here's this new video, here's this new audio. (laughs) This is what our fellow police officers encountered because, as a lot of these members have argued, and also we really heard the police officers argue, because the former president, Donald Trump, really did inspire and motivate these people to try and storm the Capitol and potentially harm members of Congress.
1: We fought hand-to-hand, inch-by-inch, to prevent an invasion of the Capitol by violent, mob intent on subverting our democratic process. My fellow officers and I were committed to not letting any rioters breach the Capitol. It was a prolonged and desperate struggle. The rioters attempted to breach the Capitol were shouting, Trump, send us. Pick the right side. We want Trump.
0: And what about? members of Congress that were not on the committee, like the leadership, Nancy Pelosi, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, what were their sort of hopes to come out of these hearings on Tuesday?
3: Well, they are both on two completely different islands, and I'm sure we have seen that playing out on different issues. But Pelosi, of course, this is, this is her committee. She thought that her team did a really great job, and she does have and has continued to reiterate faith in all of the members on that committee. I
4: salute Chairman Thompson and the entire committee uh, for the solemnity and patriotism they brought to the proceedings. I'm very proud of all of them, but all of us are most proud of the law enforcement officers who testified.
3: She picked every single person, which are a number of Democrats as well as two Republicans, to really try and get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th, both the security failures and also these political motivations to make sure that it never happens again. However, when it comes to the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, and a majority of his conference, they still, after the hearing, were very upset that it was happening. The position that they've taken is, well, this is just a Pelosi-led hearing.
5: We now have a committee that all of America wants to know the answers to. Why were we ill prepared for that day, and how can we make sure that it will never happen again? But unfortunately, Speaker Pelosi will only pick on people onto the committee that will ask the questions she wants asked. That becomes a failed committee and a failed report, a sham that no one can believe. If you want the true answers, do not be afraid of the questions that will get asked.
3: So they are not going to get to the bottom of everything. They're going to try and avoid and at least not talk about, for example, something that's been a priority of McCarthy's, which is investigating the protests that we saw last summer, which are unrelated. Things like Black Lives Matter protests around the country, as well as more uh, radical liberal groups like Antifa. Republicans really. Want to also talk about how those political movements have potentially inflamed tensions within the United States? So McCarthy and, and a number of his Republicans already trying to posture and at least respond to the hearings, but that's kind of the the problem. Since a lot of these Republicans aren't seated on that committee, they're not able to respond in real time. They're not able to set the narrative or even defend uh, Trump. So you see more of a catch-up game for them rather than real-time politicking and, and, and agenda setting.
0: On the point of defending Trump, the hearing did mention Trump a few times, but it didn't really seem to focus on his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Was that intentional by the committee? Was that something they were trying to avoid?
3: Yes. And you can imagine over time and we'll see how long this committee actually lasts. We expect it to go on for a very long time. But it's it's eventually going to get political, right? It's eventually going to subpoena possibly the former president himself, a number of White House aides. So the hearing really was just to focus on the police officers, focus on every single minute-by-minute moment that they experienced from the taunting, from the bullying, from the physical altercations.
1: I could see dozens of empty police vehicles that filled the street, police barricades which had been abandoned, and hundreds of angry protesters, many of whom taunted us as we walked towards the Capitol building. We outnumber you, they said, join us. I heard specific threats the lives of Speaker Nancy
2: Pelosi and then also Vice President Mike Pence. In what seemed like a sea of people, Capitol Police Officers and Metropolitan Police Officers, MPD, were engaged in desperate hand-to-hand fighting with rioters across the West Lawn. Until then, I had never seen anyone physically assault Capitol Police or MPD, let alone witness mass assaults being perpetrated on law enforcement officers. I witnessed the rioters. The only
3: time Trump. you ever really heard about Trump was when officers were discussing seeing Trump flags and seeing a lot of these people who were attacking them wearing Trump shirts or at least chanting MAGA. And that the former president had, in some ways, like inspired them to be there. But like you said, not really a, a strong condemnation of the former president.
0: The officers who testified referred to the attackers on January 6th as terrorists, and some described racism that they faced from them that day.
2: One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, You hear that, guys? This voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, Boo! No one had ever, ever called me a while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer.
1: Apparently they seen, even through the, my mask, they saw my skin color and said, you're not even an American. Regardless whether, whether I was in the military, they don't know that.
0: President Biden has vowed to address white supremacist violence. Is this committee a part of that effort? Is it intended to work along with the White House to provide him information to meet that goal? That is definitely
3: part of the scope that they're going to be investigating. Who was involved? Who made up these different insurrectionist groups? And and we've seen some of that already. And we have seen white nationalists, white supremacists, motivations of the people who did show up and storm the Capitol. So, like you said, Biden on the campaign trail made a big deal. Obviously, this was pre-January 6th, but he basically ran his campaign on the deep-rooted divisions that exist within the country.
2: It's complex, it's wide-ranging, and it's real. You may, I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. And you see what's so happening. So, for
3: him the... and his administration, it's a priority. But, again, we don't know how long that this is going to go for. So. When there are moments of revelation in terms of, I don't know, motivation and things like that, I wouldn't be surprised if the White House comments on it. But in terms of them potentially shaping policy and all of that, it might be a little bit too soon to say.
4: If you're looking
5: for a smoking
4: gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it.
0: What are the expectations for the rest of this committee for future hearings? How long will this investigation go on?
3: So that is something that many reporters are trying to get to the bottom of. And I think we have asked Chairman Benny Thompson in every way possible, how long is this going to go? What are you really looking for? And, and when are you guys going to feel like, OK, we've got everything? And the answer always is, you know, wherever the facts lead, if we're able to gather facts quickly, then okay, we can maybe finish it sooner rather than later. But Republicans, a big reason why they did not support whether it was a committee like this or an independent commission, was because they didn't want this to overshadow the midterm elections. Well, now that this is a committee that is run basically under Pelosi, they can go for as long as they want. They don't necessarily see this as a threat to the at least Democratic midterm races. So we could expect this to go on for a year, if not longer than that. But there is urgency to try and not drag their feet. There's already conversations looking ahead as to, how quickly to issue subpoenas. We've been told it could be sooner rather than later, but they're not going to waste time first sending letters asking for testimony. They're going to go straight to, hey, we're compelling you to come because they really do want to get to the bottom of this as quickly as they possibly can.
0: To the point of who might be called to testify this week, the Department of Justice issued a decision that it will not assert executive privilege on behalf of the former Trump administration and former Trump administration officials to testify before the House committee. So can you explain what that means in the context of who can be subpoenaed and who's likely to be subpoenaed in this?
3: Yeah, it's actually a pretty big deal. So essentially during that whole Russia investigation and even during the impeachments that we saw under the Trump presidency, A lot of subpoenas weren't followed through because the White House under President Trump was able to exert executive privilege, basically saying any of these conversations are private and legally you can try and challenge that, but you're probably not going to be successful. So the fact that the Biden administration and also the Department of Justice is saying "We we aren't going to exert that. That gives Congress way more leverage to not just subpoena, but really compel people to come forward and testify, whether that's before closed doors or in a public hearing setting. So I- I've asked a couple of members, including the House Intelligence Chairman, Adam Schiff, who has issued I don't know how many subpoenas in over the last mm-hmm. several years, and he he was really happy about it. He said, yes, this is a good and a reassuring thing, and it gives us a place to start because they really are just now beginning to have the conversations of who do we bring in first? Who do we have to hear from before we can work up to kind of these bigger names?
0: So we have covered for years on the show executive privilege and subpoenas revolving around the Russian investigations and what what seemed to happen repeatedly besides the fact that there were sometimes legal entanglements is that the democrats never really seemed to enforce much of the subpoena demands right they would subpoena somebody there would be pushback there would be executive privilege claims and then like it sort of just sat there yeah it <laughs> and just so didn't I'm, go anywhere <laughs> it, right so i'm just wondering is there an expectation that this move by the justice department will actually empower the democrats to to really enforce some of these subpoenas
3: Well, that remains to be seen. It's actually something that colleagues and and I have been discussing, like how legitimate is this going to make their arguments? And honestly, I wish I could say this is exactly (laughs) what this means, because I want to know what it means, too. But it's to be determined. Do they definitely Democrats and and also Congresswoman Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who, who are conservatives, Cheney and Kinzinger feel empowered by this for sure. So that in and of itself, I I, I think, shows that they are willing to go as far as they can to compel testimony.
0: So as this is happening, Minority Leader McCarthy says he wants Republicans to do their own thing, to hold their own hearings about the the insurrection.
5: Unless Speaker Pelosi reverses course and seats all five Republicans, we will not participate. But we think it's too important that those two questions, why were we ill-prepared? Why did they know on December 14th Why would they jeopardize the lives of the Capitol Police? We will run our own
0: investigation. Do you have any details about that?
3: So, no, I wish I did. And we keep asking, (laughs) I know, we keep asking McCarthy, we keep asking the five Republicans who we wanted to sit on that committee hey, weren't you guys supposed to start your own counter probe? And for the most part, it's been a lot of finger pointing, like, oh, go ask uh, Congressman Jim Banks' office. Oh, actually, can you go? You should go ask McCarthy's office. So that should give you a little, uh, at least a sense of where things are. They're pretty much in flux. But, you know, McCarthy was asked about this again. He did say it's going to happen. So we will wait and see. But It doesn't seem like there's active conversations about what they're going to be doing.
0: Some of the momentum around these kinds of investigations depend on the constituents and and the political power and public sentiment across the country. So what do we know about the sentiment of the American people overall in regards to these hearings? Are they in favor of of seeing this investigation go on?
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, but maybe not surprising given just how it's become so politicized. So. Democrats are really rooting for this. They really want to make sure that they get answers, and you also see that from some Republicans, like you know, Congresswoman Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. But they are very measured and want to protect democracy.
0: Almost every member of the Republican Conference understood in the in days immediately after January sixth what had actually happened, and many of them said so publicly. Uh, and the fact that uh, so. Uh, many members of our leadership uh, and others, the fact that they've gone from recognizing what happened on the 6th to uh, protesting in front of the Justice Department um, on behalf of those who were part of the insurrection is is something that I can't explain. Um, But
3: uh, a lot of Republicans, especially pro-Trump Republicans, just see this as another witch hunt or kind of trial for the former president. So they're very much against this. What else are they going to talk about? I mean, they've been they're so focused on the January 6th committee. What else are they going to? T- are they going to talk about crime? The fact that crime is up in every major urban area in this country? They're going, to, they're going to talk about the border crisis? I mean, think about this. March was the highest month on record for illegal crossings until April. April was the highest month on record until May. May was the highest month on record until June. Can't talk about that. So they're going to be partisan and they're going to focus Having on this. Having covered the Russia investigations, the public tunes in the public tunes in especially on big hearing days but it's not like they're following the day to day and 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 I will say talking to a couple of aides already starting to plan this they themselves have said these next couple weeks and months maybe are not going to be the most exhilarating parts of the investigation because I don't think they're going to be calling the former president or potentially McCarthy himself to testify anytime soon but I'm I'm sure most people will tune in when those bigger moments do happen.
0: Do we know at this point when the next hearing will be? And and what are some of the challenges that will come up in between now and the next hearing? So I
3: think one of the most evident challenges is the fact that the House actually won't be here for a majority of August. So when it comes to being able to brainstorm, that's more helpful to do, obviously, in person and around the table. But but don't fret. These members all have a text chain where they are constantly discussing logistics and planning. So they are going to meet virtually in the weeks that they're not in session. But already the chairman has said that we should expect them to have their next hearing either by mid or late August.
0: I will be impressed if anything can get done via text chain. That is not my virtual experience.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that would be quite interesting. A feat. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, a case against remote work is a is a nice place to end. Mariana, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned to Mariana, we have covered executive privilege and congressional subpoenas many times on this show in the past. If you want to go back and listen to a deep dive on executive privilege and how it affects who can be subpoenaed by Congress, find our April 2019 episode called Will Trump Stop Congress from Obtaining Documents and Testimonies? From that episode, here's investigative reporter Tom Hamburger on the battle you may remember over whether or not former White House counsel Don McGahn could be subpoenaed by Congress or protected by executive privilege.
4: Executive privilege is a fairly broad and oft-debated term. It has been used, and it's very well known in the Watergate era, as a way of shielding the president from having to disclose um, internal conversations and executive actions However, Donald Trump in his conversation with the Washington Post this week, when he talked to our colleague Bob Costa on the phone, he said that he was opposed not only to Don McGahn testifying, perhaps because that could breach the executive privilege, as it's called. But he said also, we're not going to cooperate with any of the Democratic subpoenas, and many of those – subpoenas, including one uh, that was issued to a former White House personnel security director, are unrelated to executive privilege. The White House is simply imposing whether executive privilege would apply legally or not. They're saying, we do not plan to cooperate with the Congress. And the White House personnel security director, a guy named Carl Klein, was instructed by the White House not to show up this Monday, to give expected testimony to the House Oversight Committee. And the instructions were not that he should not attend because of an executive privilege issue, but simply because the White House believed he should not be there without someone from the White House Counsel's Office advising him. And the communication of the in the Klein case led the chairman of that committee, the House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, to say, that's it, this is a sign of the White House and Mr. Klein showing contempt of Congress. Mm -hmm. And we are going to move to a contempt of Congress citation, which is a serious escalation of Mm -hmm. this conflict, and one that sets the stage for the only way this may be resolved, which is in the courts.
0: This time around, though, with the January 6th Commission, those executive privilege powers won't apply to the Trump administration. So, like Mariana said in our interview, that decision by the Justice Department not to assert privilege could be a big deal for who Congress can get to testify as the future of this investigation into the attack on the Capitol unfolds. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Sharla Freeland and Arjun Singh with logo art from Greg Manifold and theme music by Ted Muldoon.